0: turn to uh, 1 Timothy 2. We are continuing our study and hopefully you grab the notes there in the foyer. I, I want to, I was thinking about it last night and again this morning when I got up just thinking through it, I just want to look at really verse 5 today because I think it ties in well with the Lord's Supper and, and what we've done and for the sake of time and but this is an important, this is important truth. This is immensely uh, important that we get this. In 1 Timothy 2, we've already seen the, the key verse for 1 Timothy is 3.15. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of truth. Part, part of part of the role of the church, one of the main roles is to protect the gospel; it is to protect truth. And First Timothy two is a section that is dealing with prayer, and that is why we we started there last week. We looked last week, and prayer uh, it is a it is the means by which we glorify God. We saw that in John fourteen thirteen, but it's also a way that that we have joy. He says that your joy may be complete in John 16 and with prayer. And so the context is prayer. The context is communicating with God. I mean, that would be what prayer would be, communicating with God. And in, within here is a very, there's a, there's a lot we could say, and I'll jump back in here next week. But I, number three on your handout is all that I want to look at today in the time that we have left. And it's from verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He says, For there is one God, one mediator also between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. This passage, that one verse, there are probably, there's probably an entire sermon series that could be preached on these two verses alone. It's believed that that this could have come out of a, an early creed, main, possibly from Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Uh, that was a fundamental aspect, a fundamental truth of Ju- of Judaism, was that there is one God. Christians do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God who exists in three persons, and... Obviously the Trinity can be a very difficult, sometimes concept to comprehend, but, but here's what Paul is, is saying in First Timothy, and he's speaking to the church, and one of the fundamental foundational truths, one of the first things out the shoot of what he says in dealing with prayer, is the reminder that there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. One mediator. The the one way of salvation you see on your handout involves a mediator between God and man, and it is Christ. You say, what does a mediator do? A mediator comes between two parties who are separated, who are in disagreement, who maybe are enemies, and he helps them to come together. When we were were trying to reconcile the situation, when we first got here with the tenant in in the building next door and all that was going on there, Finally, the tenant agreed to go to mediation. There was an individual who represented both parties, and that individual, we were in different rooms, and that individual would go back and forth between the two parties, trying to come to an amicable solution. Because of our sin, you and I are our enemies. Sin, we are alienated, we are, we are separated, we are distanced from a holy God as sinners. And in order for man to be, in order for God to be reconciled to sinful man, there had to be a, there had to be, sin had to be dealt with. The issue is our sin, and that sin had to be dealt with. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Death, because you're a sinner, the, the penalty, the payment, the consequence of that, is death, and God in His great love, in His great mercy, in, in, on display, provided a representative man, if you will, Jesus Christ, to be a substitute, to be the substitute for our penalty. Jesus Christ stood in the place of where you and I deserve to stand, and He died. And he has offered his death as a as a substitute, if you will, to satisfactorily pay the consequences of yours and my sin. He he became, if you will, when somebody is sometimes somebody will held be held hostage, and, and the person holding them hostage may may give a ransom. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. He paid the price that was required because of your sin and my sin. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. The, the issue is because of our sin, we're not righteous, totally unrighteous. Matthew 5.20, he says, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 5.48, he says, Because your heavenly Father is perfect, you must be perfect. In order to, in order to enter heaven, in order to be in God's presence, There, it requires perfection. Because of sin, we're not perfect. God sacrificed the perfect one, Jesus Christ. He was the perfect mediator. He was both God and he, he took on flesh, Philippians 2, and became a man. Therefore, he could rightly put his hand on both parties and mediate. That's why in Hebrews, we'll see it. He says, We do not have a, a high priest who cannot, cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tested or tempted in every way that you are, and yet was with, without sin. I said too many withs in there. He was without sin. God, Jesus Christ, God offered Jesus Christ as the mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ is fully God. He is fully man. Colossians 2.8 says, In Christ the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In John 5, Jesus himself, the reason why they wanted to kill him is because Jesus was putting himself and the Father on equal footage, on equal ground. The deity of Jesus Christ was not simply something that, that man projected on him. It was what Jesus Christ said about himself. And that is what got him killed. Calling himself God, making himself equal with the Father. If we were to look at Philippians 2... He says, have this attitude, which was also in Christ, that though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on him the form of a bondservant, and being obedient even to the point of death on a cross. He says, because of this, God gave him the name above all names, at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. The word there is kenosis. He, he, he added flesh. He took on flesh. As God, he could represent all of mankind. As man, he could die for all of mankind. He was the testimony of God revealed to man. Paul says here at the perfect time, Galatians 4 says the same thing, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time God sent Jesus why? to die. He is the only way, he is the only truth, he is the only life. No one can come to the Father but through him. Paul builds on that here, and he says, "With and this is where I wanted to go." And I, and I've, I hear me. I have. I'm going to try. I'm, I want to be as gracious as I can today. I don't want to offend. I, I realize that that what we're going to show today and the truth of this verse is going to contradict a a very prominent uh, religion in our society. Your families are probably this is woven into your families, but, but on this point at least, and I'm not just picking on them, I hope you hear, it's in the context of the passage. five, Verse 5, there's one mediator between God and man. Listen to me, there are denominations that abuse that, and, and, and here's what they do. They encourage you to pray to somebody other than Jesus Christ. Listen to me, there's one mediator between God and man, and His name is Jesus. There's one name upon which I can approach the throne, and His name is Jesus. There's one name in which we we can pray and know that God hears us, and His name is Jesus. And here's why this matters. To say otherwise is to effectively say that what Jesus did on the cross, and that Jesus Jesus' mediatorial reign on yours and mine's behalf is insufficient. It's to say that it's insufficient. It's, it's almost to say that we need a backup. That 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 you God, you, Jesus, you can't get me to God or you can't get God to hear my requests, so I'm gonna go through somebody else. And, and here's where this occurs. If, 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 you're, if you're in Hindu, there's millions and millions of gods that just appeal to all this stuff. If you're if in Islam, there's, there's other things. There, you need Allah and these others. If, if, if you're in Mormonism, there's all these other things. Listen to me. It's all an attack on the, 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 the narrow road that God allowed through Jesus Christ alone. And, and here's, here's where I want to be careful because where this is most prominent is, is people in Catholicism are taught to pray to Mary. And that's where I want to be very careful. This is not an attack on catholicism. This is a a pillar and support of truth. And I want us to see from the Bible the the really the the danger and really the uh, the assassination on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and his role as mediator. When we think we need to pray to other people, or we think by praying to other people can get our prayers heard and answered. You know what that's saying? Jesus, you're not good enough to get my prayer answered, so I need to go to somebody else. That's in a sense what you're doing when you pray to someone else. It would be like your kids. Your kids have all done this. They go to mom, they don't get the answer they want, You know what they? or usually they go to dad and they don't get the answer they want. You know what they do? They go to mom. There's one mediator between God and man, and His name is Jesus. Only only Jesus was God's Son. Only Jesus died for our sin. And and here's where it matters, too. This is a difference that that others will argue, but but I'm going to show us through the Bible. Only Jesus was sinless. Mary was not sinless. Mary was not even perpetually a virgin, according to the Scriptures. And I want to be very careful with these, but and and I, I have to. I was telling myself just stay calm, but I get I get. I, I just get, I get fired up when people take advantage of this book. I'm just going to tell you, forgive me. Don't 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 let my zeal to defend the Lord and this book and truth don't miss the message through my lack of ability to communicate it properly. I, I'm I'm a boy trying to communicate big stuff here. But but listen, there are huge implications to worshiping or in Catholicism venerating another individual even remotely close to how we worship and exalt Jesus Christ. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, I am alone God. I will not share my glory with another, I will not share my praise with another. Isaiah 42.8. God is jealous for his own praise because he alone is worthy. I, I, and, and again, I, I'm not making this up. I want to read, I'm going to read you something from the Catholic. Statement of Beliefs, or their their Catholic doctrine. I want you to listen to it, and then I want to make some... I want to show us how dangerous this is. And, And dangerous in the sense of... Offending the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Catholics believe, and this is a quote from their confessional. Catholics believe that worship is due to God alone. Catholics do, however, venerate Mary. In other words... We honor our blessed mother with great reverence and devotion because she is the mother of God. Mary is the model of perfect love and obedience to Christ. We'll deal with that statement. God preserved Mary from sin. We'll deal with that one. And she conceived our Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing Christ into the world. Catholics can't help but honor the blessed Virgin Mary, who is full of grace, the mother of God, And our mother, and listen to this, for her yes to God that made the incarnation possible. It's a strong statement. And without the, listen to this, and without the incarnation, we would not have salvation. So guess who, guess who they're saying we should worship for salvation? Mary is the most beautiful model of total submission to the will of God. I dare say that statement right there is an attack on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the most perfect picture of complete submission to the will of God. Catholics do not view Mary as equal to Christ, but rather venerate Mary in her relationship to Christ. The Catechism of the Catholic Church explains Mary's role in the Church is inseparable from her union and with Christ, and flows directly from it. The reality is, if you go to the Bible, Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Romans three nine through eighteen makes it very clear that there are none righteous, no, not one. We could go on and on. Nowhere in the Scriptures do we learn that Mary is sinless. See, this is when you come to the Bible with a presupposition, you distort the Bible to support your presupposition. They need Mary to be sinless in order to worship her. They need Mary to be sinless in order to mediate on our behalf. And and, and interesting, one of the main passages... That 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 they will be taught, that they will teach is this. Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my salvation, my savior. Here's my question. You only need a savior if you're a sinner. You don't need a savior if you don't have sin. You don't need a savior unless you need rescued because of your sin. If she was sinless, why would she need a savior? The very reason Jesus came, we saw a couple weeks ago over the last two weeks, is to save sinners. Again, to say that Mary was sinless is an attack on the sufficiency and the truthfulness and integrity of the Bible. Not only that, to say that Mary made the incarnation possible, no, no, God made the incarnation possible, Jesus made the incarnation possible. I mean, you think the whole work of salvation depended on one person? That God was up there saying, man, I really hope she says yes or I'm in big trouble. God simply chose Mary. And listen, I'm not saying we probably as Baptists in response to this probably don't give her the credit that is due her in fear of going too far. I mean, she is the mother of Jesus. What she did, you know, we talked about this a few Christmases ago, would have come at high cost to be a young girl, to be pregnant, not married, and then to go home and tell mom and dad, oh, by the way, you know, uh, I haven't been messing around. God did this. Oh, okay, sure. You know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying that would have been a tough road. God simply chose her, invited her. In his sovereignty, he chose her. I, I don't believe for one second there was anything about Mary that said, oh yeah, she has to be the one. Not only that, Mary is not the most beautiful picture of submission to the will of God. Jesus Christ is. And, and again, even, even with regards, and again... Because she is so highly exalted and seen as a mediator and is and is seen as one who can communicate that she literally is in the presence of God right now mediating on our behalf, they need for these things to be true, but they're simply not supported by the Bible and 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 in contrast to perpetual virginity, listen to what it says in matthew one twenty five it says about joseph, Joseph awoke from sleep. And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. And listen, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Until is a big word there. And and, and listen to me, it's not not just there. If you were to go to Luke 2, 7, it, it makes it very clear. She gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in clothes. If you were to go to John two twelve, again, just I'm trying to show you from Scripture. It says, After this, Jesus went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Matthew 12, verse 46, While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him again, brothers. Matthew thirteen fifty five. It is. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Mark 6, 3, same thing. It was not for many, many years later, centuries later, that the this idea of this perpetual virginity came to be. And because of that, some 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 doctrine had to come about and and here is two two explanations that are put forth regarding these statements that are clear that Jesus had brothers. One was that these were Joseph's children by another marriage and two and this is this is the predominant understanding in the Catholic Church that 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 word really means his cousins. The problem is There's a Greek word for cousins, and it wasn't used there, and in Colossians 4.10, listen to Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas' cousin, Mark, about whom he received instructions. There was a word for cousin. And if that was such a key doctrine, I believe our great God and Savior would have, would have made sure that was very clear, not to be confused. And, and, and beyond the fact, even in the context of Matthew 13, you know, you and I as, child, as believers, we are adopted through Christ, through Christ into God's family. We become His brothers and His sisters in that sense. You don't get adopted into a family and become a cousin. Your brother. And and again, it all goes back. The reason why I'm showing this is because it all goes back to, to Mary's role as a mediator. If if she's gonna mediate on our behalf, there's gotta be something otherworldly about her in that sense. And and my challenge, I just want to show you that these things, not only are they false doctrines. They're, they're built upon tradition. They're not built upon the, what the Word actually says. And, and again, you, you, Mary's role in salvation, um, Pope John Paul II, this is his quote, The special presence of the Mother of God in the mystery of Christ and His church, for this is a fundamental dimension emerging from Mariology of the Council. He says this, Christology and Mariology are inseparably interwoven. That's an attack on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. This is in the Catholic Encyclopedia. And again, I'm just quoting from them so you'll know I'm not making this stuff up. Please hear my heart here. I want us to understand why this is so offensive because it, it attacks the sufficiency of Christ. This is from the Catholic Encyclopedia. In Mary's fiat of faith, she received salvation for all. Mary's mediatorship is to be understood on the level of the solidarity of all mankind, which is in need of redemption. The function of Mary in salvation determines her relation to the church. Mary is the mother of the church under this more individualistic aspect, since she is effectively concerned for the salvation of each individual. That's a strong, I mean, again, you would be obliged to believe those things if you were, if you, if we sat, that's the one of the reasons why we're different than the Catholic church. And here's, here's the, here's the culmination. And this is where I'm, I'm trying to build these so you understand the, where I'm coming to here. There's three truths here that are held. Because of all this, Mary participates in redemption for Jesus, with Jesus Christ. Participates in redemption. They would say that. Grace is granted by Jesus only through the intercession of Mary. And all prayers from the faithful must flow through Mary who brings them in attention to her son. If you were to dig down into doctrines, it's because it, they say, Well, you know what? A son's got, essentially what they say is, If you really want to get the son's attention, go through the mom. That's essentially what they say. And the idea of Mary as a co-redemptrix or, or a mediatrix, if you will, that's in contradiction to 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mediator. Jesus is the one who takes our prayers to God. There is no mediator between man and Jesus. We have direct access. And again, Jesus himself, it says, dwells in believers and there is no other mediator required. Colossians, uh, let me look here, 127. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm not, listen, I, I share this not to take shots at anyone, but to show you why we're different and why it matters and how to give a defense for what we believe and why we're different. I'll be the first to tell you, please, first John 4, 1 says, test the spirits as I preach, as I teach. If I step out of line with what the Bible teaches, I beg you to show me. I beg you to bring me back. I beg you, and I'm not saying that arrogant like daring you. No, no, I'm, a, I'm doing the best I can under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and, and, and all of that to teach you what this Word actually says and how it affects your life and what the, what the outcome of that is. When my, where my theology departs from this Word, please correct me. We got men here, Tony Sauls, other men in here that have degrees a whole lot better than my degree. Please, Tony, correct me. I, I want us, my heart is this, I want us to be as sound biblically as we can be. Because again, 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is to be that lit pillar and support of truth. The reality is nowhere in Scripture does Jesus or anyone else direct any praise, glory, or adoration towards Mary. Never once. She was present at the cross when Jesus died. Why didn't He he tell us then? Mary was with the apostles on on the day of Pentecost. And ironically, after Acts 1, you don't see her mentioned ever again. The apostles did not give her a prominent role. Mary's death is not even recorded in the Bible that I'm aware of. Nothing is said about her ascending into heaven or having an exalted role there as mediator. And, And as I said, as the earthly mother of Jesus, she should be well respected. But she is not worthy of our praise in the sense of our prayers. She's not worthy of our worship, I meant. The Bible nowhere indicates that Mary can hear our prayers or that she can mediate for us with God. The the reality is, is as I read in in Luke 1, she she gives us really a model of prayer and and praise and adoration to God in Luke 1, 46-49. She says, Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for He has regard for the humble state of his bond slave, for behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. It goes on to just praise God for the mighty deeds that he's done. You know, every, you know, the, the reality is, is I, I want to show us real quickly, even scripture speaks to, you know, right now, Jesus himself is mediating for us, is intervening for us. Listen to nowhere in any of these, Mary mentioned, in, in Hebrews 7.25, therefore Jesus is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since Jesus always lives to make intercession for them. If you if you were to go to Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, By a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed of pure water. Jesus. We can draw near through Jesus. You go on to, I think about 1 John 2, 2, it says... Little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore... Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Through who? Jesus. Jesus. Hebrews Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who is able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son... He learned obedience for the things he suffered and having been made perfect he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation Jesus being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek Jesus Hebrews 7:23 and following the former priests on one hand existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing but Jesus on the other hand because he continues forever "...holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people, because he did once for all when he offered up himself." Jesus is our high priest. The high priest was the one that would go before the people and represent, go before God and represent the people. Jesus does that. Hebrews 9, but when, verses 11 and 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and Ashes and heifers sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of blood. How much more will the blood of Christ, through whom the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 10, we read that earlier. Once and for all, by this will, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Here's why I say all that, and here's tied into the to the lord's supper. Timothy makes it very clear there is one mediator between God and man. There's one path laid. The writer of Hebrews goes to great length throughout the whole book to show one thing and it's the sufficiency and the superiority of Jesus Christ to anything else. He's the greater priest, he's the greater prophet, he's the greater king. His covenant is greater. His sacrifice once and for all. And and I would would put that in front of any other so-called God. There is none, none like Jesus. The reality is, is you, you take the word of God. You say, Chris, how do you know this word of God is true? Well, obviously, the foundation of that is faith. 11, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You're not going to deny faith, but outside of that, there's 25,000 manuscripts that tell me, that validate that this is the word of God. All the way back to first century. 25,000. The reality is you could set all those manuscripts aside and you could recreate the Bible just by how often the Bible was quoted by people outside of the Bible. You could put it all back, you could put it back together. The New Testament especially. You you, you lay all those, I mean, there are 5,000 full manuscripts that you just lay out. The Dead Sea Scrolls dated the the earliest uh, copies of the Bible so far back. There's no, there's you. You look at all the works of antiquity, none compare to this book right here. None. Homer's Iliad. There's about 600 copies of Homer's Iliad that we've used to come up. We don't have the original, just like this. So they've used about 600 copies. Our schools teach Homer's Iliad. A matter of fact, look, it is exactly what it is in the original. 600. We got 25,000 copies of this book right here. 25,000. We can be absolutely certain there is no other religion, no other God that can stand the test to what our God has stood and passed every time. This word is true. That's why I believe it. Not not only by faith, but if you do the homework, there is one true God and Jesus Christ whom He sent. Never mind the fact that there, there's a reason if you go to the Quran, no miracles. No miracles. Guess what? Full of miracles. Over 300 prophecies. Over 170 just, just to Christ. All what? Fulfilled. The ones that are not, it's coming. It's coming. Isaiah 7, his life. Isaiah 9, his birth. Isaiah 53, his death. Micah 5.2 talks about Bethlehem 700 years before, Beth, before it ever happened. To the point. Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, prophesied. Jesus is going to be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver, prophesied. Isaiah 35, this is how you'll know the Messiah. The deaf will hear, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the mute, mute will speak. Go to the Gospels. What are the miracles that Jesus performs? Those things. When John is sitting in prison and he says, Hey, Jesus, are you the one or should we be looking for another? We know what Jesus says. Tell John that the blind see, the lame hear, or the deaf hear, the lame walk, the mute speak. You know what he said? You know what he did? Think back to Isaiah 35, my friend. Isaiah long ago told you this will be proof of the Messiah. And Jesus did every single one of those things. There's one way, guys, for sinners like you and me and to get to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. There's one way, there's one person that ushers our prayers into the very presence of that God, and His name is Jesus Christ. I don't need another because He is more than sufficient. There's no other that died for me. No other shed his blood for me. No other gave his life for me. No other has promised to be there for me, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. None, of the, none other did that but Jesus. None other has kept every promise that he's ever made to me, and none other will. His name is Jesus. And I, and I hope you hear through, that's the reason, why, to say otherwise is to attack his sufficiency. We we have personal communion with God through the work of Christ. And his intercession is a happening for you right now. Please grasp that. He ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. Even first John 2:2. 2, 2. I mean, we we gotta stop here, but I, I get fired up by this. But first John two, two, it talks about an advocate. An advocate, the word there is a defense attorney. Do you realize this? Satan every single day stands making accusations of you and I about our sinfulness. And here's the reality. They're true. You know what Jesus does? Every single one of those accusations, he he steps up to the bench and he says, put that on me. Put that one on me. Chris is a liar. Put that on me. Chris is an adulterer. Put that on me. Chris is a murderer. Put that on me. You know what he does? He says, these nail prints in my hands, these nail prints in my feet, full payment. Propitiation. Satisfactory payment. For not only Chris Basham's sins, but the sins of the whole world. I I, I beg you. Jesus is enough. And I pray that we would as a people would have a heart and in the context of 1 Timothy 2 that our heart would be that all men and women have the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge of the reality of the fact that Jesus is enough. That there is salvation in no other name other than Jesus Christ. I don't need Mary, I don't need any other saints Jesus is enough. There's one mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ.